Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley, and thank you so much for downloading the show, for coming in and listening to this podcast that so many people work really hard to bring you. So first and foremost, let's get some formalities out of the way. If you're a first time listener, thank you so much for checking out our podcast We bring every episode with love, compassion, and honestly, some real talk. And so if you don't think it's so loving and compassionate, then you don't have to be here. But we're still going to bring it to you anyway, real raw. So if you are a regular listener or a new listener, please, please, please take a moment to subscribe, like, follow, do all those things. You really only have to do them once. That's the best part about it. When you hit subscribe, it's done. So If you haven't done that already, please, please take a moment to do that. All right, so my guest today, guys, is Marina Inouye. Now, she might not be someone on the competitive circuit, but if you guys follow outdoor climbing, you've probably gotten little blips of her on your radar. She is an awesome all-around person. She's got some initiatives. She's got some things that she's doing. What we won't be talking about in this podcast but we are getting together very soon to have some future conversations. And I am really excited to let her share her story and really honestly just listen to two people really just vibe. And if you guys have been longtime members of my podcast and sticker club members, you know, I like to just have people on and just vibe and have casual, real conversations. It's not too scripted. It's not too organized because if you know me, I'm just trying to plug and chug gear and get to the top of the wall. Focus on the moves that's in front of you. Don't worry about getting to the chains. Everything else is going to be great. So just with that velocity, with that philosophy in mind, enjoy the show. my show. Um, I'm not going to assume that my guests know who you are. So can you tell people who you are, where you're from, what do you do, and what is your relationship to the outdoors? Sure. Um, my name is Marina Inouye. I'm 35. Um, I was born and raised in New York City. I lived there till I was 25. And then I moved to Richmond, Virginia. Um, when I was 26, I started climbing at the gym there. Um, and started kind of traveling full-time and living on the road when I was about 28. Um, I'm a tattooer. I make tattoos for people, and I've been doing that for 13 or 14 years now. Nice. Now, do you do that? Are you still on the road now, or are you home-based? You know, 2020 obviously changed a lot of things, Um, and so I've been mostly based in Richmond this year, again, uh, I spent a big chunk of quarantine at my parents' house um, because I still don't actually have a full-time residence. Um, but currently, I'm living in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I was about to say, I, I'm, I don't feel sorry for you in any way, shape, or form. I don't think anybody no, lives in a group No, shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, no. I was about to say. I live in a concrete jungle here in Dallas, so 
Yeah, yeah, I've actually spent a bit of time in Dallas. So really, lots when was of, that? Lots of driving. Um, I used to do a tattoo convention there, so I used to go every year, sometimes a couple times a year. Um, but it's it's been a while since I've been, but I've been there probably like eight times or something, maybe more. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll say you then. Well, you know the city here, and you know that you know, and that, especially for us here, if we want to drive and do climbing you have to be willing to drive minimum of like just three to four hours. Like you just have to. At least, right? At least. I mean, well, Waco's nine and everything else is really just like four. You can get away with like Rogers Park, a few other areas that are four, maybe four hours away. How far is Rymer's? Uh, Rymer's is in Austin. So if you drive like me, it's definitely three and a half hours. Yeah, um, if you drive. So yeah, if you drive like anybody else, I think people can get there in four. I've heard people getting there yeah. in two and a half, but it's not two and a half. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, some people have that, you know, have a lead foot. So, not me. Um, that's kind of like Richmond, though. There's not a lot of climbing, um, right near Richmond. The closest thing really is the New River Gorge, and it's more than four hours. Some people say three and a half, but is Seneca Rock not, not like close at all? Uh, Seneca is like maybe three and a half hours, so it's negligibly closer. And it's like you might as well just go to the new. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree. Seneca's a scary place, yeah. anyway. So I've only been one time, and it was very scary. Yeah, it's a. I mean, you learn hard woman hard track climbing real, 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 real fast there. But For it, sure. it is a very, very scary place. So, like, now, how long have you been doing tattoos, and are you still doing those? Are you working, like, remotely, or how is that working? So, I, I've i been tattooing. I've been working in the tattoo industry since I was 19. Uh, and I started tattooing when I was 21 or so. Um, and I, basically, the way that I've finagled my life um, as far as, like, work balance climbing balance goes is I'll work for a month or two, basically seven days a week. Um, and I'll also train in the gym at the same time. So it's like a really, you know, I work from maybe like 10, 10 to six or so, and then go to the gym from like six to nine and uh-huh. do that almost seven days a week. And then I take off a month or two to go climbing after that okay that makes sense that's pretty classic yeah it's pretty classic yeah classic dirtbagger style so totally it's like almost seasonal style i can make my own schedule like tattooing has afforded me complete control and flexibility of my schedule i'm like really autonomous in that sense the shop that i work at in richmond which is called absolute art i can always go and leave as i want and which is like incredible so so lucky to be able to do that um and then there's a couple other shops around the country that i work at on a regular basis as well though not during covid um i'm not doing any guest spots or anything like that that's fair enough that makes sense yeah Yeah. i was was kind of peeping at your i was insta stalking your tattoo profile (laughs) and i was like i like your artwork it's definitely i i don't know what it's called because i'm sure this your particular style has a particular name but I definitely dig it, and it's really, very, very, very pretty. 
and it's kind of all thank you so much yeah 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 it is for sure that's well that's the thing that i thought was really cool about it like one of your things like your pink panther one i thought was actually very 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 cool because it's not like (laughs) you're just your your traditional kind of like sailor look uh but yeah it's wild um i definitely get a lot of influence as far as art goes from many many different places i like to pull reference and ideas from all different kinds of things do you so ever, it kind of ends up do you ever Sorry, get go ahead. no no you're fine you're fine we're jumping all over each other here uh do you get any of that from climbing um like influence as far as my art goes yeah mm, no i'd say that and this is something that i could like kind of talk about for a while actually but i, I don't have to um it's interesting sort of straddling these two worlds um, because I don't find that they intersect particularly at all. Um, I definitely find inspiration in, in nature for sure. Um, But I find that I like very much when I'm in my work mode, Climbing really, I don't even think about it. And when I'm in climbing, I, I don't really think about work that much, though I do paint a lot. And especially this, like currently I'm painting a lot and doing a lot of like art projects. It's, they don't, I don't find that they overlap. And I actually find that I'm like constantly trying to explain one side of my life to the other side of my life because they're really, really different. They're really different communities and cultures in a lot of ways. Do you prefer them to stay that way? Or have you been trying to figure out intersection points where they can kind of collide together? Or did this just works out well and you prefer to keep it that way? Um, I don't really know. You know, it's strange to kind of feel like I don't exactly. And this isn't like how other people perceive me necessarily but it's strange to feel like I don't really entirely like fit in like I need both things to be happy you know like I don't think that I could just climb and be happy and I don't think that I could stop climbing and just tattoo and be happy and so in a certain way it balances itself out um I'm at times it feels like slightly uncomfortable I guess you say uncomfortable and that I, I was just wondering if you can unpack that a little bit. Cause that's just interesting to me. And now when you say uncomfortable, are you talking about like just trying to navigate like these two worlds all the, all the time or like, how are they uncomfortable? Just out of curiosity. I just, I thought that was just an interesting choice of words. And then I have one more question related to this and then we'll talk about rock climbing. Cool shit. Sure. I mean, to go all the way back, I grew up um, being, <sighs> Growing up in New York City is a really different life experience, right? And I grew up going to punk shows. I grew up being pretty politically radical. In in certain ways, tattooing or people who get tattooed align more with that kind of community and lifestyle. The tattoo industry itself, not necessarily. It is still, like most things, very white, cis, heterosexual, male-dominated. That's not to say that other identities don't exist within that community, 
they do, but it is very much like white, white guy dominated, which isn't so different from climbing. Right. But there's like a certain, um, I'd say my friend group and the community that I choose to kind of like surround myself with on that aspect of my life that are not climbers are, are super radical, but you know, they like all grew up as punk kids. Climbing I find is, it just is more moderately liberal if that makes sense no. a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, the nature of climbing in itself, it's from a communal aspect, at least for me for the last 20 years, has been really like, you know, you're kind of just going along to get along so we can all just climb along and really. Totally. You know, and it's just like, you know, like, it, like that's why climbers and surfers really go well together. Climbers and skaters. I mean, a little bit of skating, but I think surfing more so. Feel like if you take a, you know, your traditional mindset of a surfer, like this hippie punk kind of kid or whoever adult, whoever it is, and it's just kind of like going with the flow. So I think that's totally definitely how it has been. I don't think it's that much. I don't feel like it's that much that way anymore, or at least it's growing out of that. Growing pains are growing out of that. Yeah, definitely. So like kind of segueing into yeah. your climbing um, you know, you kind of explain what tattooing kind of does for you. And this is kind of a thought, a question that popped in my mind, but kind of like on a cerebral level, like what does climbing do for you that you don't get out of tattooing? Oh, I mean, the like physical aspect of it is something I enjoy so much. Um, there's like the, the flow state. When I'm tattooing, I just am constantly thinking in my head, either I'm interacting with somebody and chatting with them, or if they don't want to talk, you know, it's quiet and I'm just thinking about whatever I feel like thinking about and I'm very much in my own brain. And when I'm climbing, especially when I'm projecting something and I'm really focused and really know exactly where my foot is supposed to go and the beta and I've rehearsed it and it's this whole relationship, you know, you get that, that classic sort of meditative flow state where your brain turns off and your body is just moving. And it feels so good to be able to execute that kind of, that kind of movement. Um, and to be totally like in tune with your body, especially if you spent time training and, you know, you've done all this work to be able to like feel a certain way and also just spending time outside tattooing. I'm just sitting inside all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I can definitely, you know, to be outside, like in these beautiful spaces um, in all different kinds of weather, it's, you know, the connection that climbers get to have with being outside is like pretty unique and special to the sport. Maybe, you know, maybe surfing or, trail running or something is I guess there's plenty of outdoor sports where you get to do that but yeah but I, you're just like so intimately interacting yeah I would agree with you I think the thing with climbing though is it's like it really is like kind of immersing yourself in the outdoors because like you know unless you're going to like rifle or somewhere pretty where you can just kind of like belay out of your car like you really are mm -hmm. I don't know. The thing I love about it is, it's like I have to leave my whole concrete jungle world behind, and 
and just completely forget about it. And it doesn't matter what happened. I mean, you know, the whole, you know, Dallas could be on fire and like, I just, it's not, it's not in my mind. It's not in my world. And I think with climbing, you have to be like, as you said, like surfing, you have to be so present. And I think that's the thing that allows me because I, it's funny. It's like, as much as I'm focusing and thinking while I'm climbing, you know, for me, it's a massive brain dump. It's a massive brain dump. Yeah. And I'm just like, after, totally. the, end of a, after the end of a long day, it's kind of like, you know, I'm either, you know, chatty with friends, but a lot of times I'm just like sitting there and just like lying down flat on my back, just like, just kind of happy and relieved. And, you know, it took me a long time to understand the correlations of it. I mean, you know, if you're an athlete or if you've ever done sports or anything, like you get that, but it's just a little different. And I think it is because of like the whole nature of it, of like, kind of trekking out and getting out to where you got to be and everything like that so yeah it's so great um just to be able to especially like even when you're not climbing you're just sitting outside and there's so many beautiful things to notice and so many things to appreciate and you know especially if you have like a good crew of friends um that you like to spend time with like that can be really rewarding yeah as part of the experience, you know? Yeah. I always tell my friend, my friends are always like, you're just as excited to rock climb as you are to belay me all day. And I was like, I just get, amped. Yeah. I get so amped. I'm like, I turn into the, I'd, I'd always tell people I'm like the worst stage dad ever. Cause I get more excited <laughs> for other people climbing than sometimes they do. And my friends are like, you're literally wearing a chalk bag, knowing that you're belaying all day, just so you can chalk your own hands up. Cause you're like freaking out. Cause you're sweaty. Oh yeah. I can't help it. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. I want to go climbing with you. Oh, hell yeah. It would be super fun. It would be super fun. I am yeah. like, I, I, I get I'm like, when I mean full stage dad, I start cheering. Like my father growing up, I ran track and field. He was that dad mm-hmm. who would be like, like, I'll never forget. I caught an uh, interception and I was just so surprised. I caught it. I was looking at the football and I looked at my dad and I looked at the football and I looked back at him and he was like, run. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should do this. <laughs> and so I just take off. And I'm just running and I get clobbered, obviously, but yeah. But I'm like, he's like kicking trash cans or doing track and field. He's like throwing stuff. And like, people think my dad is so angry and I'm like, dad, how'd I do? And he's like, you did great. Let's go get ice cream. You know, that's awesome. And that's like him. Yeah. And I always thought that was like, I don't know why he's this way. It's so weird. And I am that on steroids. Like I get so excited. Like, even watching my kids compete in the, in the competitions. Cause I'm a full-time youth coach. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I like literally have to go in the back of the, the, the gym and watch them compete through a security camera because I just like, I lose it. I just, I can't, I get so excited if they send and if they don't make it, I like fall on the floor and just like collapse. And I'm like a toddler. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> oh, I can't help it. I like, it's like That's ingrained so in me. Like one of my kids, I had to explain to them. I was like, if you see this, it's not because I'm mad at you. It's because I care and I love you so much. You're still a turd. And remember, if you admit to anybody else on the team that you told them that I love you, I will deny it in front of your face. Because <laughs> I call all my kids turds. And I'm like, equally, I equally love them all. They're like, they all, I don't know. They. It's funny. Have you ever seen them? I think it, what is it? Inside Out where that movie is, they have these little people act like your personalities and things like that. Oh, I haven't seen it. I think it's called that. Whatever. Someone on the internet will correct me. But um, like, it's this, ba- the premise is, is there's this little girl and the characters in her brain are all her emotions, happiness, sadness, and that. Well, I feel like 
instead of my, all the kids on my team, instead of being an emotion, they're all bits and parts of my personality and like each one mm-hmm. of them. So I respond very differently to each one and I love them a lot. But this podcast is not about That's me. It's about you. Me. This is your show. So <laughs> I like to know things about you too, though. All right, fair nice. enough. Well, feel, feel free. Like, like I, I tell people, I'm like, this is your show is just as much as mine. So feel free to rapid fire if you have any questions or anything like that. Uh, but I am excited. So I guess kind of diving into your climbing and I, I, funny, it's like when I say diving into climbing, like it's such a communal sport and it's funny. I realize we kind of run with the same crew of people. I know you, you climb with Brandon occasionally. I know you climb with Kathy Mm -hmm. and them. And I guess it's like, how did you kind of find your crew? Because most tattoo artists I know, they're either super social people, like out at the bars, drinking all that, uh, all the time, the few that I've known and hung out with, or they're pretty like artistic, pretty kind of like, I don't want to say antisocial because that's not their personality. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that is it. But it's just funny to me because like I, when I was first looking at your profile and I started following you, you had mentioned something about a tattoo in your climbing post or like someone or someone had mentioned something like, I want to get a tattoo from you. And I was like, what? And I just thought you were just inked up because it was cool as shit. You know, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Bad. I was like, I was like, all right, I, I don't have tattoos. So, but I'm like, she checks the millennial box for cool tattoos, you know? I do. Yeah. You know? And, but um, I guess like, how did you come across your people or your crew of people that you climb with? And like, you know, obviously they don't overlap as we talked before. Yeah. I mean, I think just from, you know, I started climbing in Richmond, so I met a bunch of people who I'm still like really good friends with to this day. Um, and the, a lot of people from Richmond climb at the new, and then I so I was going to the new a lot, and having climbed at the new so much, I met people out here. And then, you know, really it just comes from having kind of traveled these like somewhat full-time seasonal circuits you start to see the same people in the same places um and just like people i felt like i connected with um i ended up being close with and and it fluctuates and it's really dynamic and it changes depending on where i am um for sure you know like who i spend a lot of time with but it's it's an interesting thing like i feel like the closest and most long lasting friendships you make are the people who when you're together, you connect really well and you can have like these conversations that go beyond climbing. Um, even like while you're climbing and at the crag, like these really genuine friendships and then some time passes and you don't see them and you don't necessarily keep in touch because you don't have to. But when you see them again, that connection hasn't shifted or changed at all. Yeah. You know. And so it just kind of like depends a lot of the time, but I've made some like, incredible friends through, um, through climbing and, and I'm constantly like making, you know, new friends and having new connections, especially in 2020 this year, which is funny because it's like the year that I've climbed the least, but I've made the most new friends. Why is that? You know, it's been a polarizing year, and I think 
<laughs> people <laughs> have been, you know, I, I spent a lot of time online and yeah. like while my own like thoughts and beliefs and um, priorities and things I want to do have solidified this year more than ever before. Like I think it has for quite a few people like that. You start to see other people in the climbing community who you can really like align with, who feel like comrades, you know? Um, And most of those people I haven't met. Some of them I have, some of them I already knew. And we like kind of been in tandem growing in the same kind of directions. And you're like, Oh, you get it. Like, I feel the same way. Like I'm motivated to work on the same things and it's like exciting, you know? Yeah. No. To see that. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely say that. I think majority of us had spent more lo- time online and just raging in our own brains about what is going totally. on. And I, you know, and I'm going to use that term loosely because I don't know who listens to this podcast. And if, you know, if you do listen to this podcast and you're a big fan of T45, you know, I'm not. And uh, I'm still going to thank you for listening to this podcast. That's, that means I'm doing something right. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, it's weird. And the reason why I wanted, I was curious about that is because I definitely feel like I, I've, you know, as long as I've been climbing, I've definitely kind of had this like wide crew of like 30 or 40 people that I've kind of like travel around the country and climb with. But I definitely have noticed this year that, my my climbing pool has always been very wide but it's almost like you know Mm -hmm. have you ever walked through a river or different parts of a a lake and there's deep parts and there's not deep parts and you know each part of the lake represents different people and some of these people we have just dug this out into this bottomless trench of our friendship where we have just gone so deep and we've been so vulnerable with each other about what's been going on how this makes us feel how do we approach this? How do we approach, you know, it isn't even our job to to motivate, motivate, mobilize and organize our community, you know, and it's been, it's mm-hmm. been a wild, wild thing. And I will, I will say that I have definitely appreciated your comments, your posts and the things that you have been putting out there. I definitely stand in solidarity with you because uh, it's, it's definitely been very heartfelt and, you have definitely been putting out there very good vibes into the universe as far as I'm concerned. Tension Climbing. These guys make premier training equipment. They have been producing gear as long as I can remember. I remember training on their wooden holds, campus boards. I remember using all of their equipment and they're still here killing the game today. And they are supporting this podcast. They are supporting so many different athletes. And you guys should definitely open up your wallet and support them who support us, who also are trying to support you and seeing a better change in a better place that we all want to climb in. So please check out the show notes. We have a link and click on, on this link. Anything you purchase on the website helps go back and support this podcast and everyone who helps make it. So if you guys haven't already gotten ready for your project or gotten anything, maybe it's time to level up your training gear. We all need just a little bit of help and tension will help you keep that tension so you don't fall off your projects. Check them out, guys. Tensionclimbing.com. You have definitely been putting out there very good vibes into the universe as far as I'm concerned. Thanks. And, you know, 
that goes both ways, of course, for sure. Um, I'm so appreciative of your energy and the energy you put into this podcast and just your existence, period. It's, you know, it's exciting to see, like, I think a lot of people are doing a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a lot of people aren't doing anything and that speaks volumes as well, you know, and, um, and that's what, that's part of what has been so polarizing, like overall, but also in the climbing community specifically. And sometimes it can be depressing or super frustrating or enraging, you know, to see like a lack of action, whether it's, you know, people just don't, care or they don't know how to engage or whatever it is but I always come back to the fact that there's so many good people in the community that I really 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 am inspired by that I appreciate that I am constantly learning from who are like always encouraging growth and like a perpetual seeking um in my own like yeah. thought processes. Have you, I mean, I guess, you know, in your travels, have you come across a lot of people um, that I guess for the lack of a better term, are kind of on the other side of the fence in the climbing community. Cause so one thing I'm kind of really envious of you of like, you're still out there and you're still for the most part, I mean, I know you've been in Richmond, but for the most part, you're still, you're out there climbing and kind of getting after it more often than I am. And so it's just a thought. I was just wondering if that's something that you kind of come across or if, if you do, is that something that you just avoid that kind of energy altogether? Well, you know, I think that, I don't know. People don't really talk about politics at the crag that much. I will talk about it to anyone at any point in time, you know, like I'm always happy to give my unsolicited opinion, but I think a lot I think that climbing in a lot of ways is like liberal kind of, but more moderate politically speaking. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know that I've necessarily come across any people who are like wearing MAGA MAGA hats or whatever, like at, at the crag, but Climbing is just a shrunken down bubble of greater society, right? So it's still plagued by all the same problems. The percentage is just maybe slightly less. Like if you go to a climbing event, it, certainly the, the, the demographic is going to be different than if you're going to an NRA event, yeah. right? But it's still, there, there's a whole spectrum of people. Um, I think it's really easy to be you know, tricked into thinking that climbing is really progressive because by, you know, I don't know, everybody has paid attention to the internet this year. Everybody's seen what happens in comment sections. Like, it's overwhelmingly not progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, it is. I Um, think that's a beautiful statement that you made. And like, 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 that's actually really powerful. Like, it's easy to be tricked to thinking that climbing is progressive. The, by the nature of the sport, but the people that exist in this space, majority of them, I still feel like are not that progressive. Totally. And I, and I think that just not having voted for Trump and 
sorry, trigger warning. No, nah, it's okay. Saying that name out loud. No, nah, it's okay. It's um, okay. I mean, it- you know, like having voted Democrat or whatever, that doesn't make you progressive because if you're still not doing all the other work that it takes to like unpack, you know, white supremacy and privilege and, you know, like a lack of empathy, really. Um, if you're like arguing to uphold to keep all these status quos that are oppressive to other people, you're not progressive. It doesn't matter who you voted for. Trigger warnings, as far as the, uh, that goes, this, once again, this is your show as much as mine. So, fire away people can deal with it or people can unsubscribe uh totally but yeah you know it's funny i'm I'm happy to hear you say that because it's i think i was honestly bamboozled by that really much so because you know i've been very blessed me too i've been so blessed as being like a minority climber people have really kind of gone out of their way to make sure i've had a great experience whether they did it purposefully or just it's just the kindness of the heart and it's the kind of person that they are but I've always had a good experience. And it wasn't really until getting online until I started watching some of Devin's posts and um, mm-hmm. even uh, Melissa's posts and then Brown Girls Climb and all of these things. And I'm like in Melon Base Camp and I look at like the feed. I'm not really one to go back and read through all the comments. It's just not my, it's just not my style. Oh, yeah, God. it's just like, I'm, I'm just like, I'll read like the first like 10 or 15. But like once it starts turning into these long form threads, it's... It's just, to me, it's just like, this is just too much. I have other stuff to do with my life. And no, it's like you're punishing yeah, yourself. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, when I decide to dive down that rabbit hole, I have been very surprised by the language and just the sheer intensity that people are putting forth. And you would, then I was just tricked. I was totally bamboozled thinking that, like, I was like, who is saying this? And I would, like, this person's not even a rock climber. And I click on their page and I'm like, oh, Oh, you're doing some alpine, doing a little trad, doing yeah. a little sport. Okay. Oh, okay, boo-boo, you know what you're doing. Shit. Okay. And you're just an asshole. But I'm okay with that. Totally. You know, and yeah, I, I use that term loosely because this is the beauty of America. Everyone should be able to voice their opinion and say their thoughts and things like that. You just can't get your feelings hurt over someone voicing their opinions. And that's really the big thing about it. But it is very surprising. And I was just, I was just really floored. I knew this was like, I knew this sport is a good old boys club. I just didn't really think there was still that many good old boys or the tradition and the cultures and the, uh, how do you say the, the, just the whole, the nature of being a good old boy is being passed down. And I just didn't think that was being passed down from generation to generation. I figured it for a while, but the culture we we live in is changed enough where that really shouldn't be a thing anymore. And it really still is a thing, which is really surprising. No, it it really is. Um, And that's also, that's something that does, it is similar into tattooing. It's definitely very much like, good old boys club being passed down through like apprenticeship. And so that is one, one way in which like mentorship um, is like, is sort of passing down those toxic traits. Um, But I think a big part of it is denial. And, you know, I have, I had a similar experience to you where like, I, 
started climbing and was like super accepted and felt really supported and, you know, like really pretty comfortable, mm -hmm. like with my identity within climbing, but also like my proximity to whiteness is significant. Like I'm, I'm half Japanese, East Asian and half mm -hmm. white. So I'm racially ambiguous, but I'm like, You're white passing. like, I don't identify. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't identify as a white person, but I would say that I'm like very light, light skinned, white mm -hmm. adjacent proximity to whiteness, all that. Like people forget that I'm like not that I'm not white a lot of the time, you know, like they don't think that it's like an issue for me, which it has been in the past, but not nearly as like as for yeah, black folks, I mean you know. Like not you feel close. like you fall into the per like the typical Asian, um, you know, perfect minority kind of thing. I only discovered that a while ago. My friend Michael Lynn was talking to me about that. And he was like, yeah, we're we like Asians are the perfect minority. And I was like, what? This is a thing. I was like, and tell me more. And, and oh, yeah. The model minority myth is definitely a thing. No, I don't I don't feel like I do personally. Um, my dad probably would have liked for me to fit into that box a little bit more. But. I'm like covered in tattoos. I don't work for anybody. I work for myself. My lifestyle is like very alternative. I swear a lot. I'm like extremely radically political <laughs> way far, so far to the left. Like I wouldn't say that I personally fall into that category um, of the model minority, but you know, like East Asians definitely have a lot more proximity to whiteness and white privilege, um, especially in climbing. Like they're not in, I wouldn't say they're a, like East Asians are particularly a, you know, they're quite represented. There's been times where I've been at the crag where it's exclusively East Asian folks, which was like really cool, you know, but I was like, whoa, there's like a pretty big, really big East Asian community. And that's not to deny that, Asian folks, especially now, don't experience racism. No. I'm not saying that at all, because it definitely happens. I've experienced it myself. I almost all of my friends have experienced it. It's just yeah, it's no. Not I imagine thing, it's know? always been much more complicated um, for you because you know the, the beauty of just having black skin is it's like well, it's kind of right there in your face. So people are pretty abrupt about it. Just like my skin is kind of like right there. But I've just I don't know. I've just imagined because that's the same way it is in our gyms. Like we have a very large Asian community that climbs in the gyms and everyone's super rad. And I've only gotten to talk to a few people. And one of our route setters, him and I had a conversation about this and he was like just navigating these spaces and navigating the, that. And I'm like, how, like, like, and I don't know if this is the thing and where you've traveled, but my mind goes into like, how, comp what is the complexity, complexity of traveling a space continuing to be the model model minority however still wanting to be a an activist of some sort but still trying not to lose the privileges that have been afforded to you because of being a model minority and knowing that you're more accepted in those spaces by the good old boy uh, by good old boys like it seems like i don't know it just seems like a very as far as a thought experiment, I was like sitting down thinking about it and it's just like letting my brain run through this thing, uh, you know, before I decided to like step out on the day as I'm taking my first drink of tea and I'm like, 
damn, like this seems complicated. And maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe it's just like, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. You're so used to it now. It's just, you kind of just walk into it. But I don't know. That's what one thing that recently with all this stuff happening and, you know, goodbye 2020, that was one of the thoughts that I was trying to, because at the end of the year, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of every one of my friends that have had a conversation from, from me and put myself in their shoes in my mind and then try and put myself in their shoes in their mind to the best that I know of it. Right. Yeah. No, it's not like brushing your teeth. It's definitely complicated and nuanced, you know? And I think that I'm, I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but for myself, I think I'm in a unique position where I can under like, I can understand and empathize because of the fact that I'm not white because I have experienced like weird, unfortunate, traumatizing racial situation, racially charged situations. Um, but because it's not even close to the extent, like I don't get in my car with the fear of getting pulled over because that, that might mean that I could get shot by the cops. Like I'll never have that kind of intense fear. You know what I mean? Like I don't experience racism to the same extent or erasure to the same extent as black and indigenous folks. I'm like a straight, you know, cisgendered person. So I don't like, experience that kind of um you know like trauma either being completely like mm-hmm. you know experiencing transphobia transphobia homophobia um but so basically like the position of privilege that i'm that i'm finding myself in but also being able to empathize in a way that maybe like entirely white folks have a harder time doing I feel like I just need to use, I want to, and I need to use that position to help push other people to understand. No, it does. It it really does. I think one thing that would kind of help it bring into full circle, like, and I I understand this is a very, this is probably a very big, big, simple little question that I'm about to ask. But like, if you could put it into a sentence or a paragraph, like, what do you want people to understand across the board that like the message or the narrative that you're trying to push forward, like the phrase or whatever it is, but like, if you could like sum it all up. That everything, including climbing is plagued by pervasive and systemic white supremacy in this country, everything. And that everybody has a responsibility to undo that agreed yeah and that sounds like it i got really nervous saying that because it's a polarizing statement um but i really well, i mean but it's a very that. true statement i think but i mean think about like when you're in a relationship you know the most honest moments of your relationship are the most polarizing and most vulnerable and moments where you feel like the relationship is either going to leap into an area that you're not quite ready for it to go or it's all going to crash at your feet because you're just you don't know what you have no idea what the part your partner or that person that you love you care about what's going on in their cranial so like it makes perfect sense you know and I've Mm -hmm. I've related a lot of like what's going within private conversations to friends I've related a lot of what's going on to dating because like or being in a relationship because 
that's kind of how it goes. Like you, you know, you, you kind of go along yeah. and you're having fun and everything's very symbiotic and, you know, you kind of doing that and then you have a couple of ten- moments of tension, but then you have these blowouts that just have to happen. They are unavoidable. You can't ignore them. And it's like, I mean, rock climbing is like a dating relationship in itself. Think about it. Like when you ignore rock climbing for a long time and then you come back to it, it's a raging bitch. It is so hard to rock climb. If you like ignore it for like four or five months and you come back, you're like, why do I suck? And it's like, no, you don't suck. You've just ignored me for very long. So I'm letting you know how hard this is. (laughs) So I think that's the thing is, is like, I love that statement because I think the way you ended it is really beautiful. And it's like, listen, we're not trying to bash you over the head and tell you that you're a bad person. We're not trying to bash you in this. What we're trying to say is like, the grand scheme of things is this, this country and everything in it was built with, the, with people who had the mindset that the other is less worthy and of human decency and dignity. And whoever those people are, they just don't deserve as much as they do. And it's okay that you can think that. But the problem is, is you can't build a society on that, you know, because I'm not going to dictate what can go on in your head. Yeah. That's, I mean, if we all could control people's what can control and go, if we could control what goes on in another person's mind, the entire human place population would have been massacred a long time ago. So um, I think this the thing is like telling people that we need to dismantle this is a very, very, very key thing. And that's complicated and that's big. And I don't think we all know what that looks like but i would say it's probably just as much i don't know if you've ever done this before on um but i definitely want to use this to segue to some rock climbing with you but i know like if i'm working on a really hard project and i just like it's just something way outside of my wheelhouse i will just suck it up get a stick clip and climb up and clip everything all the way up and then i dismantle the route from the top down and I like start working the moves and like totally. people are like, are you down climbing virtually the whole route? I'm like, well, yeah. And then, and then I'm like, but I, I down climb the sections that I know it's not going to be that hard. And then I'll like maybe go up. But then the sections where I like, I can't see the hole below me. Like I don't know where it goes. I'll lower down, try and go up and then pull back up on the rope, then go back and forth, back and forth. And but this is how it goes. And I'll get stuck in like, you know, one zone for like 20 minutes. Cause like, like it's, it's like, I'm like, this just doesn't make any sense to me, you know, but it, the same way that we are going to dismantle all of this is just like pulling apart a route that is like, you know, and I think any climber listening to this will understand. It's like you've climbed 512 your whole life and you're like, all right, I've climbed 512A, 512B. I'm going to go ahead and jump on 13D, 14A. Like, skip everything in the middle and just go there. It's not that it's not doable. It's just, it's really hard to fathom what this looks like, even though you're staring at, you know, dead in the face. So hard. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, obviously the process is going to look different for everybody. Like, I don't, I don't expect people to just like stop caring about climbing and start, caring exclusively about social justice. I just definitely like want to push for people to understand that they're, they're intertwined in a way that is really undeniable, but it's funny back to the metaphor that you just made, which I think is a great metaphor. And I've made the same metaphor to people to try to get them to understand, like, this is the energy 
that you already have. Like you can, you like, you know how to project something, you know how complicated it can be. Like, let me put it into the, into climbing terms for you. And it's like exactly the same thing. Like I've, I've made that exact point myself. And so it's yeah. cool that you thought that as well. It's, it's climbing is life. As I always tell people, I'm like, you can correlate when I'm coaching the kids. I'm like, I can correlate any boulder that's in this room right now to any point of struggle that you've had in your life. Like, doesn't matter. It's like, just pick a moment. Totally. And you know, the kids are just like, you know, they're all just like boyfriends, girlfriend. I'm like, go get on the slab wall. And they're all like, ooh, like freaking out. Yeah. And I'm like, and I would be saying yeah, that too. And they're just like, oh, I want to feel great. I'm like, go get on a 30 degree wall with jugs and just and skip every other hold. You're going to feel like a hero, yeah. you know? And it's just like, it's totally. just, it, it is that way. And we're just such physical creatures. And I don't think that. I don't know. I think that we just allow ourselves to get caught in our heads and our brains, but we are, our bodies are meant to move and our hearts are meant to go along with the movement. And I think the thing is, is we just, sometimes we just forget where to put our mind because our mind is just like, at least I speak for myself. My mind is trying to have a very large conversation with my soul all the time. And sometimes I just need to get those two to just like go in a room and have their own conversation and come back later when they kind of make up their mind and just, allow totally. my body and my heart just to just release the energy that they are creating. Cause like they're just putting off so much energy and my body and my heart is the battery cell that holds that energy. And I just, I've got to get it out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think people do that as much and they just let it fester and moving your body in any way, shape or form. doesn't matter how old you are. It's really important. Totally. That's beautiful. But Talking about that. moving your body. So like, You've been in Richmond, I guess. Is there anything in the new or any climbs or anything that like you're kind of amped up and ready to do? I mean, I, I just want to know what I can insta stock in the future. That's really what I'm asking. <laughs> well, the weather here is not well, poo poo everywhere. Um, I've never lived here, yeah, I've never lived here through the winter, and it's um quite yeah. cold and quite wet it's pretty inclement but there are some really nice days i i tried this route called freedom tree at the end of the fall when i was living here um and it's really hard it's at the cirque and there's a move that's not really a crux for other people but i'm pretty short i'm like five two really um and there yeah and there's a move that i i really just really 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 couldn't do so i spent all december training to do it to try to come back when, when I came back here to live again. Can you again. tell me um, what the move is? And honestly, in your Instagram photos, I would have never realized you're 5'2". You, you carry yourself larger than life. So I was thinking you were at least like 5'9", you 5'10". Know, five, five, Thank ten. you. Like, oh my God, I wish. <laughs> yeah, my well, I mean, you carry yourself well. So I was just like, I would have never guessed. Like I would have met you, you and I would have been like, okay, wow. I'm, I was like, I'm still about the tower even though I'm over taller than you, I feel feel like I need to tower under you a little bit. So, but you carry yourself very well. No, no, thank you. Um, no, I'm a, I'm a shorty, but uh, the move is like it's a really big jug undercling with a really big, big feet, um, left foot way out, right foot underneath you, and then it's a big cross move, way, way, way over your body with your left hand to like a small kind of crimp, uh-huh. but it's pretty good. 
but it's you know it's like a underclean compression move you can't where catch if, and release and grab something else uh you know yeah i just i had to get my right foot on a really bad foot i can't use the good one and I'm just like so, so, so extended. And when I was trying it in the fall, I really couldn't make the move at all. I just straight up couldn't do it. And then I trained and I came back the first day I was back here and I tried it. And I actually spanned oh, the move. Couldn't believe it. Shout out to Nate Drolet, my coach in the power company. Um, but when I reached it, I couldn't come out of it at all like I was it was I was like full tilt tipped out there's my arms were totally straight like I couldn't move my feet at all and I only did the move the one time and then you know the weather got bad and I'm got psyched on bouldering so I don't know if I'll go back I might if it's warm enough to go rope climbing but I'm kind of psyched on bouldering here are right you, now are you someone who gets like really married to a root or a problem like I obsess over it like I like oh I lose sleep I can Same. tell you, I, I can't tell you any of my family's birthday, but I can tell you every single move of Flamer, <laughs> Eternal Justice, and Eternal Oblivion. I can tell you every single move. Yeah, definitely. I get obsessed. I'm like a total projector. Yeah. I love to do it. Um, and if I try something, and even if it feels hard, if I feel like I, it's possible, I will. That's all I want to do. That's that's yeah. what I want to go back to for sure. And I feel that way about a couple boulders right now. Freedom Tree, it's amazing route. It, it feels a little bit, even though I did do the move, which I was super psyched about. Um, it's still it, that's not even the hard move. So, and uh, maybe another time with some a little more training. That's awesome. That's. Um, yeah, I'm psyched on some yeah, boulders. No, it's funny. I think I listening to you talk, I imagine, have you ever done any climbing competitions? No, I started climbing when I was 26 and I've never really. So yeah, I never did a lot of comps myself too, but I recently had started because uh, my kids that I coach, I told them I would start doing some comps and I realized this is why I like climbing outdoors and projecting because because I'm on a time frame and I can't really just sit down and project the route. I lose my temper so bad. Like, uh, like <laughs> I literally almost, hit, oh, oh I, almost, I almost took my shoes off and just threw them at the wall and walked out of the gym. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely, nice. not, I'm a little bit of a prima donna when it comes to that. That's why I like avoid it to a certain extent. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good at gym climbing. I just like, I've, I'm I'm proud of my outdoor accomplishments for sure. Um, and I always seem, you know, when I'm psyched on something, I, I can find a way to finagle beta that fits my body a lot of the time. But gym climbing just smokes me. I don't know how to, I don't really know how to do it. I think it's fun, but I've never been very good at it. There's just no options, you know? Which yeah, is point, I think but. that's the thing too. It's like my coaches that I climb with, I'm one of the older ones and it's funny. It's like, we all climb indoors and they all climb circles around me. But when we go outdoors, they're just like, how can you not climb like this indoors? And I'm like, it's, just, I'm like, it just doesn't translate in my brain. Like, I'm like, I mean, I oh, can yeah. kind of keep up and, I, and I'll admit, like if I got as good as I was outdoors indoors, I'd probably be a much better outdoor climber. It's just very hard for me to bring myself to that place. And I'm working on getting there. It really is something challenging. Yeah. 
I'm way better at climbing outside than I am climbing inside, which I'm thankful for, but it's always impressive when you see people like who are really good at gym climbing. It's so gymnastic and like the person that comes to mind is Sean McCall. He's like he's just a monster indoors and outdoors. Oh yeah. It's like this is one thing I was really impressed by him. Like I watch videos and I'm like, there's no difference change in your style. You're just as ferocious. And it was I was was very, very, very impressed. Um, well, shit, I don't want to end this call, but we do need to kind of wrap this thing up here. And I, um, I want to, I I always like to give people uh, a couple of questions at the end, but I always like to give everybody an opportunity. If there's anybody you want to give a shout out to an organization you want to talk, talk about or anything at all, like anything that moves you a mantra, it doesn't have to be anything. Oh my gosh. There's oh, just so begin, begin. We can go that... for another hour. <laughs> a couple people who I'm really thankful for. Um, and this is not a, you know, comprehensive list, but Dom Davis, Brandon Belcher, Devin Dabney, Juliet Hammer, Maylise Edwards, Brittany Levitt, um, Nate Pierce, um, Brown Girls Climb, Melon and Base Camp, like all these organizations um, that exist. Um, Blake Cash, too, from Chattanooga. Um, they're just people who, like, a couple people who I have been really thankful for, for their voices and their energy and time and, and labor. Um, they're all really awesome, you know, keep me feeling encouraged. And psyched Kathy too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really thankful for the community that has been built up. Like really, really I would agree. I feel like the community that has been built through 2020 yeah. is not just poured concrete. It's like someone dug a trench, put some big boulders down, a lot of stones. Like have you ever have you ever get a chance like look Google uh, the image of how the Roman roads were built. And that's why they still exist. It was a massive undertaking of how they built those roads. And that's why they still exist. Yeah. Infrastructure. They, they, the infrastructure that has been built, even if it's a small little square in the grand scheme of things, it's, it has very, 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 so very strong roots. And I'm like very privileged to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think, uh, it feels so I guess the only other question I have, really and you are the first person that I'm asking this question to, of the year because what was your send and what was your suffer of 2020? And then I guess, what are you looking forward into the new year? Um, so my metaphorical send, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, this is going to be a little bit long. My metaphorical send being re-radicalized and psyched to like help progress the climbing community for sure. My suffer, I'd say, is just all of, all of twenty, <laughs> all of twenty twenty. You know, otherwise, beyond that, uh, my <laughs> my climbing send that I was most proud of. There were two. There's this route called Baby Trebuchet. I was really proud of. I tried a long time. This other one called Ride the Lightning. Really proud of. Climbing wise, I, no, I have no complaints. I'm happy to be climbing at all. Period. You know, so no, no suffers climbing wise, but, um, what was the other question? Uh, yeah. What are you looking <laughs> forward it? to in the new year? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, um, just like continuing to have conversations like the one I had with you today. So grateful and honored and, you know, continuing to talk more with with more people and solidifying connections and making new ones. And, uh, you know, maybe COVID will chill out and everybody that um, everybody that's become friends this year, we can all meet and hug in real life. You know, that's what that's my dream. But I also respect the fact. Yeah, that no, that's real. <laughs> I definitely. Well, hopefully if yeah. COVID calms down, at least I have a trip that I do every year in Memorial Day. And I want to give you details of it. I'm not going to do it online. I'm not going to do it on air. Yes. Because uh, if you guys want to come on this trip, you have to come and reach out to me. But thank you so much for being yes. my guest. And I am. Thank you so much so for having forward me. To, I look so forward to eventually meeting you, climbing with you, and continually growing with you and moving this country, world, and climbing community in a better place. Same. Thank you so much, Mario. You're such, you're like an inspiration, really. I really appreciate your voice and everything that you do. And I'm so glad to. You can't, you can't make black people blush. We explode when that happens. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> awesome.